Welcome back to episode 51 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast, where we'll be looking at an update to the player rankings. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for another show dedicated to the official FPL Draft game. We're currently in the international break and we're 11 game weeks in now. So uh, I thought we've got you know, a decent amount of season data so far to update our opinions and challenge some of the biases we brought into draft day so we can do uh, an update of the pre-season draft rankings. So this is the first of four pods which will release in fairly quick succession going through the positions one by one uh, and updating that ranking list which is now looking pretty dusty and out of date to help inform some of the waiver and trade decisions moving into the festive period. It's important to note from the off that this list and the opinions that shape it are all my own and as much as we've got 11 game weeks of data I'm not going to pretend I've watched every single minute of Premier League football this season and supporters of Watford for example are probably far better placed to comment on Josh King for example. No matter how much the stats start to shape up it's impossible not to bring in previous season form and performances and personal biases into the equation. And as I say in a lot of my pods, this is a discussion between me and the microphone, which you are privy to. And if you disagree with something, that's fair enough. Use this to stress test your own ideas. And if you do agree with something, it's something else to hang your hat on. But anyway, the format of these rankings will be more or less the same as my pre-season rankings, except I'm going to extend it slightly from an 8 to a 10-team league, meaning that I'll rank 30 strikers, 50 midfielders, 50 defenders and 20 goalkeepers. So without further ado, let's get into the 30 strikers. So some general observations on this striker pool compared to pre-season is that the main pool of options uh, in the middle of the pack seems to have grown and there are probably now more serviceable striker options than there have been in years. That's due to a mixture of rotation and teams playing with two out-and-out forwards, meaning you have to get quite far down the list before we're into the dregs of the barrel. In order to see the list easily on screen, you can head to fbldrafthub.com where the ranking lists have been updated. Or for ease, just click the link in the podcast description, which will take you straight there. Another important thing to note is my preseason rankings were made before Lukaku and Ronaldo signed. And it won't surprise you to see they're sitting at the top of my list. So straight away, everyone gets nudged down a couple of spots. I'll comment on pretty much everyone here, but broadly, the biggest fallers are Cavani, Lacazette, Martial and Werner. While those that have made some big moves up the pile include Antonio, Saint-Maximin, Huang and the other new addition, Eduard. So to start with, I'm going to look at my top five striker options. In first, I have Cristiano Ronaldo, four goals and an assist already. He still looks the business in a United team which uh, has intermittently looked complete shambles and I think it's only a matter of time before they are under new management. So imagine what sort of numbers he could put up in a team which actually has a strategy. Just behind him, and it's close, I've got Romelu Lukaku, just the three goals so far. We've obviously not seen as much of Big Rom as we'd have liked over the past few weeks due to his injury, but he's got the undeniable benefit of being a certain starter when he's fit in a team that will be there or thereabouts at the top of the league come the end of the season. The wing play has flourished in his absence, and even more than uh, Manchester City, they look like the team most likely to take teams apart on their day. The golden boot looks all but cast to uh, the Egyptian Messi, uh, but behind him, I don't see Lukaku being too far away. In third, 
Age is just a number. Yet another season, you probably overlooked Jamie Vardy because he was getting too old. But here he is with seven goals already this season in a Leicester team that have generally been very poor. There was lots of love for Ian Acho and Dakar on draft day, but it's still clear who the main man is. I'm confident Leicester will find some form. Their players are too good not to. And when that happens, Vardy can surely only benefit from some renewed vigour in the build-up play. In fourth, I've got Mikel Antonio with six goals and four assists. Cracking start to the season, has tailed off a little bit lately. I had him way down the list for draft day because I wasn't convinced that West Ham would sustain their form from last season. Also didn't like the idea of relying on him as your first choice striker with his injury record. So far, both of those issues have proved uh, to be non-existent. And for those that picked him up on draft day, will have been very well rewarded so far. You can see on fbldrafthub.com that he went uh, generally in the fourth or fifth round, depending on how big the league was, and would have been excellent value. If West Ham carry on as they are, Antonio will be up there with the highest scoring FPL strikers come the end of the season. In fifth and completing my batch of the top tier strikers, uh, I have Harry Kane. Just the one goal and one assist so far. Hard to know where to start with him at the moment. This guy was up there with Salah and Fernandez as a top three overall draft pick. And for all those that picked him up, it's likely been a pretty disappointing start to the season with your big hitter looking like a swing and a miss. The managerial change has happened with one of the hopes being it would breathe some new life into him and bring the belief back to Kane after a visibly disappointing transfer window. It's obviously very early days under Conte, but so far after the two games, if I didn't know Nuno had left, I wouldn't have been able to tell based on Kane's general demeanour on the pitch. He's never been a guy that can put in a 50-60% performance uh, and play well. His rise was really built on grit, effort and willpower to maximise the qualities he does have uh, and a hunger which saw him put in 100% every game. I think the international break has come at an okay time for Spurs. Kane can go away, a slight change of scenery and find some form in an England shirt. Indeed, at the time of recording this, he's just come off from scoring a hat-trick, albeit against Albania, which can only do him uh, do him well. Meanwhile, Conte can whip some of the fringe players into shape. Had I seen more of a spark in the last game, I'd have put him higher up, but for now he's here uh, and we're still waiting for him to, to find that spark and get back into form. So before we carry on with the rest of the rankings, uh, at this point I'd like to say that support for the FPL Draft Up podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming worldwide. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped have just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawmower 4.0, worldwide. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you that we can bring you that gives you 20% off and free shipping worldwide with the code DRAFTHUB. Just enter that at the checkout at manscaped.com and as I said, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. I'm one of the first people lucky enough to try out the new 4.0 and I'm really impressed by the performance, the craftsmanship and the details on it are just next level. It allows you to customise your trim with additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4 and it also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. If you've been using the same shaver to sort out your beard and your balls, you've been doing it all wrong. Nobody wants to end up with pubes in their mouth, so get on over to Manscaped, enter the code DRAFTHUB at the checkout and get 20% off and free shipping. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code 
Draft Hub. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. So onto the list and into the next batch. So I'm putting these in a little grouping just below that top bunch. Um, starting off with Bamiang, who for me for many years would have been a top tier striker. He was really consistent, uh, hitting around the 200 points mark each season. Already got four goals and assists already and Arsenal was starting to find some rhythm with a settled team that seems to know what it's doing, especially in attack. Whether Aubameyang is used as a nine or off the left, I don't think it matters too much for his returns. And as an opposing fan, I fear Arsenal uh, just as much seeing Aubameyang on the left and Lacquer up front. So uh, yeah, I think both can work equally well. His previous season showed just how consistent he is. and I still rate him as one of the best offensive options to own in the game. So that's why I've got him in at number six. At number seven is Gabriel Jesus. Two goals and five assists, which is putting him in a nice 50-point mark so far. It's been a bit of a revelation seeing Jesus play off the right this season as he offers a slightly less one-dimensional threat than Riyad Mahrez does. And that's not a dig at Mahrez. His performances have probably warranted more returns than he has, but he will still have been a good value draft pick wherever he was taken on draft day. He started nine out of the 11 games so far for City. Um, that's pretty much not seen a lot of Pep Roulette compared to previous years with only Sterling and Mares, uh, you know, making up the supporting cast so far. City, it's also important to say, have played their hardest games of the season already, having played away to Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool and United, meaning there are some cricket scores still to come and a very attractive run of games over the Christmas period. Number eight is Callum Wilson, four goals already. It's been a fairly solid start for Wilson in a Newcastle team with very few positives so far. They're the only team in the Football League without a win this season and there is going to need to be a huge turnaround if the Arabian Tourist Board are going to sell many t-shirts. And who have they turned to? None other than Eddie Howe, former Callum Wilson whisperer himself, who enjoyed the best Callum Wilson days in the Bournemouth shirt. This appointment can only be a good thing for, for Wilson as an FPL asset and can't make Newcastle any worse than they have been. Big changes will have to be made in January because I don't currently see three other teams worse than them in the Premier League. But in the meantime, I expect the team to be built around providing for Wilson. Next at number nine is uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Just the three goals so far. Difficult one to judge in what has been a really disappointing season for him. The last time we saw him was game week three, and he was chugging along beautifully with a goal in each of those opening three games to carry on from last season's form. We can't skirt around the issue though, it's going to be uh, tough jumping back in after so long out, but you can see how much Everton miss him uh, not being in there. None of the options that make up the bulk of this list have impressed me enough to put them above him at the moment uh, in terms of scoring points from now until the rest of the season. Uh, So I think, you know, based on the fact he's due to be back in the team soon, he's in at number nine. Number 10 is Jimenez for Wolves, two goals and three assists. We all feared he might never get back on the pitch after that head injury he suffered last year, but it's really nice to see him back playing regularly and thriving with some new faces around him. He struck up a great partnership with Huang, and I think we'll get better as the season rolls on. In at number 11, another one in a similar boat to uh, Calvert-Lewin is Patrick Bamford. Just the one goal and two assists so far. Lots of promise from last season, and his team are now struggling during his absence from injury. He's already got those three returns from just the five games he did play, And again, similar to uh, Calvert-Lewin, based on the fact that he's due back soon, uh, I still rate him to uh, put up a good return by the end of the season. 
From here on, we're into the average Joes, and this is where it gets a bit difficult to separate players. But finding an edge in the valuations here can be the difference come the end of the season because you know a handful of these guys will end up with some pretty nice hauls if they really kick on. Uh, so the first one in this bunch, I've got uh, Danny Ings, three goals and two assists. So many players who have yet to firmly put a stamp on things this year now find themselves caught up in a managerial merry-go-round and we now need to see how Ings and teammate Watkins fare under Stephen Gerrard. It's too simple to put managers in sort of strategy boxes as the best will use whichever means they feel gives them the most output from the players available to them. Uh, but, you know, just of interest, we saw Gerard use a 4-3-3 a lot at Rangers uh, and Villa don't have the worst squad to fit that on paper. Uh, we've, you know, we've seen them play that a few times this season and last. The issue here, though, is that this leads to a central front man and so something has to give. I don't think we'll see Ings booted out and, and would imagine he'd be the first choice number nine, at least initially. We'll move on to Watkins in a minute, but I would assume we see him move out wider. At 13 is Alan Saint-Maximan, possibly one of the only players that could ultimately survive the overhaul at Newcastle that we'll see over the next couple of years. He's been his usual self this year and has the ability to change a game by himself. I was sceptical about his value when he was reclassified as a striker, but he's holding his own in what is becoming quite a tight pack of options. And he's still putting up more assists than goals, which tells you he is not a proper striker, but returns are returns. At 14 is Ollie Watkins, and it is fair to say there's been a drop-off this season from Watkins and looks to have been the biggest sufferer from all the new faces that arrived in the summer. We've not really seen any winning form from a team that has Watkins, Ings, Buendia and Bailey in it, and it feels one of those will always have to make way to provide stability in the middle. The shortcut is to move Watkins over to, uh, to come in from the left, which he's perfectly capable of playing well, but will mean he is less likely to get those poacher goals. I don't think Gerard coming in or him potentially moving wider makes him a bad option for draft. In fact, if you think Gerard gets them back to winning ways again, he's sure to be more productive than he has been so far. And that goes for valuing any players under new management. At 15 is Richarlison. He's not a player I've ever really owned in fantasy football and one I've probably always undervalued because... You know, his historical points totals are pretty impressive. You know, with last season's 123 is his lowest tally so far since joining the Premier League. I wonder though if that decline is set to continue now. He has missed a few games already, so the lowish output so far does have that as an excuse. But he's a player we're constantly told is going to be a world beater any minute now. And as he starts to enter his prime years, we should already start to see signs of that. Maybe he needs to be in a better team to fully thrive. I don't know. He seems pretty well suited to a left side of a front three. Uh, but so far, I've, I've not seen enough of a sort of ruthlessness in him, especially from a, a finishing point of view. And his, and his finishing probably stands out when you compare it to how well Calvert-Lewin has looked over the last 18 months. At 16 is uh, Bobby Firmino. Since his peak FBL powers uh, back sort of between 2016 and 2018, it's been a steady decline in output from Bobby. His assist output has remained fairly consistent, but the goals have slowly started to dry up. His place in the team is now no longer guaranteed with the emergence of Diego Jota, and he has now picked up an injury which will see him miss a good handful of games up to Christmas. His output on paper hasn't been terrible so far. However, after scoring on the opening day against Norwich, a game I could probably fluke a goal in, the rest of his returns and the bulk of his points have all come in that Game Week 8 game where Liverpool smashed Watford 5-0. 
If he starts a game, he's not a bad source of points uh, as a part of that offensive machine. But as a week-in, week-out draft player, his shine has really gone. Next is Neil Mopay for Brighton. I'll hold my hands up straight away and say I have a bit of a soft spot for Neil Mopay. I don't know if it's because he famously mugged off Arsenal last season. I suspect that does have something to do with it. But he just reminds me of the strikers I was used to seeing growing up in the Premier League. And I do think he's a decent finisher. The only concern from the last couple of games is that he's been dropped in favour of Trossard playing up top. I doubt we'll see that continue all season long. I think he's too good to leave out and I think you can accommodate Trossard alongside him somewhere. But that's probably the main reason why he's nudged down a couple of places. Had he just carried on starting in that number nine position, I'd probably had him a few places higher up. In at 18 is Huang for Wolves. Really nice start to the Premier League. Showing a good range of finishing and looks to be linking up well with everyone around him. I see him getting double-figure goals this season, which would be great for his debut year. And there are far worse strikers you can own. So his stock is only on the up for me. At number 19 is uh, Tony for Brentford. He's this low mainly because I see Brentford continuing to struggle as the season moves on. They've now lost four on the bounce after an all right start and usually the talisman striker for a promoted team is getting a far higher proportion of the goals than Tony currently is with just two from 13. Overall, I've not seen anything to suggest he's any better than your average Premier League striker uh, playing for a team hovering by the relegation battle. So that's why I've got him here. In at 20 is Eduard for Palace. I've enjoyed watching him in this fresh-looking Crystal Palace team, though I didn't love seeing him score two in about as many minutes coming on against Spurs for his debut in game week four. Since then, though, he's only found the net once, despite starting nearly every game for Palace. Um, They have had some tough fixtures in that run, though, and there are some easier hunting grounds coming up for the rest of 2021, where I expect he'll improve on the three goals he has so far. At 21, I've got Alexander Lacazette. Signs that he may be getting another sniff at the starting eleven. Uh, and with Smith Rowe and Saka behind him, that would make him an attractive prospect. He's so low because he could drop back out of the team at any moment and then he'd become virtually worthless again for FPL purposes. In at 22 is Kelechi Nacho with the goal and two assists already. At the moment, it seems Kelechi in the team, Leicester play good. Kelechi on the bench, Leicester play bad. I haven't watched enough Leicester this season to really stand by that assessment wholeheartedly, but that's how it looks to me. Their squad feels uh, kind of similar to, to Villa and they're having the same issues with managing that and who plays in the starting eleven. They've they've you know experimented with different formations, trying to accommodate two strikers with a host of other wide attackers and not being fully comfortable with, with the individuals that they're having to leave out as a result. At 23 is Chris Wood. Uh, I have Wood in my main league and it's been really disappointing so far. He started every game, only has the single one-pointer with a yellow card against Norwich. And, and really, as a third striker, that's not a terrible return. At the very least, you want your sub to come on for a two-pointer. But I was hopeful Wood could be a little more useful than that. Um, but then I didn't have him valued on draft day, factoring in the arrival of Maxwell Cornet, who already has four goals himself from from less than half the minutes. The two don't seem to have really uh, formed much of a partnership yet. Whether they do so or not remains to be seen. But I think if anyone gives way in that partnership, it's going to be Wood because Cornet looks a revelation at Burnley. In at 24 is Timo Werner. Um, The idea of Timo Werner still stands a lot taller than Timo Werner himself. And as a Premier League prospect, has not had much opportunity to turn things around so far. 
He's obviously down the pecking order at the moment and any attributes he brings to the team are just being brought with far more quality by the wing-backs. He's not a very good finisher and it's just hard to see where his future is at Chelsea. Uh, and Barring some monumental shift in tactics or a host of injuries, he's not someone I'm interested in. At 25 is uh, Armstrong for Southampton. And now the Southampton strikers are an interesting bunch, but I think Armstrong is probably the pick of them so far. Again, I should disclose how much I don't rate Che Adams. I don't think he's good enough for the Premier League and I will never have him in my fantasy team. I like Armstrong. He looks a proper natural finisher and I think he's, you know, he starts if he's fit. I don't have uh, Armando Brozier on this list because I think... He's very much their third choice and and doesn't start when everyone is fit. But if I was a Southampton manager, he'd be seeing more minutes on the pitch than Adams would. Moving somewhat into the dregs now with the final five. At 26, I've got Dennis for Watford. Three goals and three assists already. He's been the most consistent Watford forward with returns scattered over a few games. All against poor or poor on their day opposition. Josh King is is next on the list and I couldn't really uh, you know put much between them. Uh, fairly similar form to be fair, but you know most of his, in fact, all of his goals came in that hat trick against Everton, so that's why I've just given the edge to to Dennis. At 28, uh, reluctantly, I put Che Adams. He is a starting striker for Southampton, so that's why he's there. At 29 is Timu Puki, the man, the gift, the legend. I wonder if he can make it out of the uh, this stragglers group and up into the main pack now that there's a change of management. It looks like Dean Smith is set to take over there. So uh, we'll see if that, you know, improves his form. And then finally, at number 30 is Rodrigo. Tasked with filling Bamford's shoes while uh, while he's out injured. Uh, he's been all right, but Leeds don't look the same without Bamford. And I think once Bamford is back in, I'm not even sure Rodrigo is good enough for the starting eleven. So that's it for this episode, looking through the updated striker tier lists. Stay tuned for another episode very soon, going through uh, one of the other positions. Indeed, I'll go through each of them within the next week or so. If you want to see that list uh, on the screen, as I said at the top of the show, just click the link below or head over to fpldrafthub.com. It's not too hard to find on the website. I hope it wasn't too jarring hearing uh, an ad in the middle of the pod this week, but I'm sure you'll understand that getting support like that can only help this podcast grow and flourish. Hope the international break isn't too tiresome for you, at least England won, and as always, stay shook. Sure.